amazing stories, and the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that live there. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole history told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana community. Where We Landed is supported today by Moving Real Estate, a full-service real estate firm serving Grant County. With a combined total of over 90 years' experience, our agents strive to handle each client with professionalism while navigating the ever-changing real estate market. Our focus is to provide exceptional service and build a long-term relationship with our clients as they embark upon their dream home journey. There's no better feeling for us than helping people reach their home ownership goals. If you're ready to make a move, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website at movingrealestate.net or give us a call at 765-674-MOVE, M-O-V-E. That's 765-674-M-O-V-E. Welcome to Where We Landed. I'm Scott Miller, one of the hosts. I've got Alicia Hazelwood. Hello, hello. And Iris Brunner. hey yo. It's good to see everybody today. It's good to see you. It's going to be a good day. I know. I'm having fun today for whatever reason. (laughs) And we're going to keep having fun because I have the honor of doing the questions today. We're going to do a little where you land or would you rather. (laughs) Or where where we landed. landed. It's fine. We're doing that too. (sighs) But we're going to do would you rather questions. So our guests can also answer these as well. And I'm going to try to make them not too weird, but there's some weird ones on here. These make me more anxious than trivia. I'm sorry. I know. I, just I hate trivia. I don't deal in absolutes. I know you don't. Yeah, I've, I've I'm trying to issues. avoid the absolute, the absolutes, absolutes. <laughs> what? And, wow. and there's no winners or losers on this. Right. I will get my verbiage to work. Okay. All right. So the first question, would you rather have telekinesis or telepathy? Telekinesis is where you can move things with your mind. And telepathy <laughs> is where you can read minds. <laughs> Uh, what's so funny, Scott? Well, <laughs> what just ran through your head? What was running through my head is um, I can tell I'm not a Marion High School graduate because I couldn't even tell you what either <laughs> of those two words meant. I saw him stop and I was like, maybe I should read the definition that's gonna, included. Yeah, I appreciated you doing that. Um, okay, so telekinesis or telepathy? I'll say telepathy. Ooh. Oh, why for? Yeah. I don't even remember what it meant. Uh, <laughs> that's I, read people's I, minds yeah, to know what they're yeah, thinking. Yeah, and I do. I, I that would be a good thing. I think just yeah. be able to kind of communicate well and communicate yeah. better to be able to understand where people are coming from. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll still follow up and say telepathy <laughs> now that I re-know what it means. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, to choose telekinesis just because I feel like I'm already too much of an empath that I already feel people's emotions and that's too much sometimes. Yeah. So I'd rather just move things with my mind. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I want to move stuff with my mind. Yeah. I need something to help me get things off the top shelf. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going Going with that too. At my age, there's quite a few times when if I could move things without actually getting up, it would be great. <laughs> It'd be wonderful, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, do you know how many times the dog needs to go out? If I could just be like, open the door, yeah. open okay, the door, shut in. the door. I think like the clapper where you can turn the light on and off just by clapping. Um, That's good. That was a good one. Uh, would you rather have everyone you know be able to read your thoughts? Or have everyone you know have access to your internet history? (laughs) (laughs) I know that answer. My internet history, help yourself. There's nothing very alarming there. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's probably the same. Like, I don't want to hear what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. My internet history is pretty boring. So, Uh Scott. Now you're going to make me feel bad. No, no, no. No, we're not. No shame. No shame. Yeah. So I, I would say I would rather not have people know my internet history. <laughs> I'm texting Gene. Yeah, I'm right. sure I know, now. right? I've got to wipe my phone clean. <laughs> would you, this one's kind of tough. Oh, wait, time out. So do you have that person? That will wipe your history for you? I don't, but if I'm going to find yeah, him now. Yeah, you're going to find one now. <laughs> find one now. Evan Gilmore, one. I think, is going to be on my <laughs> list this afternoon. I know he knows technology. I need so. you to remote All in. right, Evan. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, my page updated. Hold on a second. Yeah. I gotta scroll back down to where I was at. Okay. This one I think is a little interesting. Um, would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power? <sighs> I'd yeah. say universal respect. Yeah, me too. Me too. Same. 
I feel like if you have universal respect, you have all the power that you would need to yeah. make things happen around you. So, but yeah, I think those are good. Yeah, I that enjoyed. was good. That was good. Thank you so much. Um, I, uh, today we get to welcome, um, one of my absolute favorite teachers. I'm, I'm saying that and putting it out there. I'm working in an absolute here. Um, we are happy to have Mrs. Sandy Chapman in the building. Um, she was a teacher, um, and Mary Committee schools for the last, for 24 years, which, oh my gosh, <laughs> she gets applause just for that. <laughs> uh, we were just talking in their green room about some of the fun things that she um, talents and skills and things that she does. But um, our first question that we always ask is, how did you land here? Well, it was somewhat by accident. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Indianapolis. And when I graduated from Arlington High School, I went to Ball State, going to be a nurse. That didn't happen. Uh, I found out that at after two years, you have to go live in Mariah Bingham back by Ball Memorial Hospital, which seemed like a long way from activity. And I thought maybe I'll be a teacher instead. <laughs> uh, actually, that turned out to be a good choice. I, I, when I have to make decisions, I weigh them a lot. I think in nursing, you've got to be able to just quickly, I'm really not cut out for it as much as I love that field but anyway so while I'm there I met Chuck Chapman and we fell in love and got married or well planned a wedding for um he, he was graduating and I was two years behind so we're going to get married in August I guess I'll say the year of 1967 mm -hmm. and he had been promised a job at a Muncie school we actually rented an apartment in Muncie I'm going to be still going to Ball State, finishing my teaching career or teaching credential. Um, but the the job that he was supposed to get was contingent upon this man who was going to retire. He said he was going to retire, but he hadn't turned in the paperwork. Uh -oh. We're waiting and waiting, and August is getting closer and closer. And Marion, which was his hometown, okay. his family lives here. He was he wasn't born here, but he came here at nine months of age and. Mm -hmm. Um, they offered him a job and I probably cried a little, but we came to Marion. Um, when I first got here, I wasn't a big fan. I was used to going to the mall and by mall, I mean, enclosed big mall. And here the mall was a strip, a strip center. It hadn't been made into a mall yeah. yet, but I learned to love this place. And one of the ways it started was when he took me to the the Coliseum to see the Marion Giants, who I'd never heard of, playing. And that was the team, um, that was 67, 68 team. Mm. And they did very well. They were in the state finals until they had a crazy shot by Oscar Evans, I think it was, uh, that cost them in the afternoon game. But then the next year, they were good again, going to win that year. But well, never mind. I won't go <laughs> So I grew into Marion and it started with basketball and then I got a job in Marion and I feel like that was the luckiest place that I could have landed for teaching. The school system was really great. And so I'm the non-Marion high school student in the room here today. So what did you teach at school? I, well, I taught a lot of things. I started out teaching general science, seventh and eighth graders. And when I went to the high school, um, I was going to be to teach biology, and I made the stipulation because I knew that their AP bio teacher had left, and I said, I, I can't teach that. Of course, that's what I taught. <laughs> that's what she was my teacher was for, say, was AP bio, that. too. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, that was one of the greatest things to ever happen to me. It was no easy thing. Um, boy, that first year, I'd read something in that book, and I'd think, I don't get this at all. <laughs> uh, how am I teaching this at 7.30 in the morning? And I go read it again. I don't get this at all. In the morning, I still don't exactly know what I'm going to say. And these kids are going to come in. And I'd go read it again. And it always would click. It would always click. I learned an important thing about learning. Any students out there listen to this? Mm -hmm. Just read it again. Put it down. Go away. Do something else. 
come and read it again. It'll click in eventually. But yeah, that turned out to be a great, I loved it. I can remember walking into class going, this doesn't make sense at all. How am I going to learn this at 7.30 in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely one of my absolute favorite classes. And I was fortunate I had to do twice. So I had to do my freshman year and then I had AP Bio too. But my, I'm going to, I'm going to dig in deep back into my memory banks here of, you know, being little Iris in your class. (laughs) the um, project that we did with the fruit flies. Yes. I just need to tell you, like (laughs) we had like fruit flies in our house and I was like, how did she do this project every (laughs) year to have fruit flies flying everywhere? The (laughs) genetics of fruit flies. Scott's like, what are you talking about? You want to share? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, she's like, I haven't thought about fruit flies. I haven't thought about, but, but there was a lot into that. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they're not all alike. They have different traits. And so you can order from companies pure breeding flies for various unusual traits like <laughs> white eyes instead of red eyes or uh, curly wings instead of straight wings, just oh. different traits. Um, so we would get these traits and mate the flies, but you have to have virgin females now, fruit flies are very tiny. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're like the fly around bananas. Those mm-hmm. little tiny people call them gnats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I would have to go in there and I'd have to get virgin females. And I'd tell the students, you know, we need virgin females for this. And <laughs> you can't ask them because they lie. So, <laughs> uh, so I would go in there at night because you have to, you have to, Uh, Any newly hatched fly has about a 10-hour window before it will mate. So if I can get the flies within 10 hours, I can be sure that they're not mated, and then we can use them in the cross. So I would go in there with my microscope at night, looking through these flies, telling the boys from the girls, and separating them (laughs) so that I could have these flies. Oh, my gosh. And then we got to play to figure out how we were going to cross the eye matches genetically to right. make different stuff. And, and like, what were the probabilities of you might yeah. get this or you might get that or yeah. That's awesome. I it had is. no idea you had to, I do not remember that about <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you were going in and doing that. That is, that's a I probably, commitment. Yeah, yeah. I probably didn't acknowledge that I was doing mm-hmm. that, but um, yeah. So but, is this an annual event or every semester event that you um, I from? didn't do it every single year we did it quite a few years um yeah i bet the kitchen staff loved you with the fruit flies they did not love me (laughs) neither did any of the other teachers in the entire building i mean yeah because they were just flying around like they would get loose right there's no way you could keep that you got irresponsible teenagers (laughs) trying to do stuff and they would just be everywhere in the jars yeah yeah i just that that was one of the projects that i always remember us doing and i don't know if it was just because i was so interested in like dna and like understanding that but Mm-hmm. I yeah, remember it. it. It's interesting. I never did this, but I really wanted to. I, I heard about you can, okay, give them a fly and tell them that it's a pure breeding fly, but have it actually not be so that when the first cross happens and they're expecting all the flies to have red eyes, mm-hmm. there will be some white eyed flies in there. Huh. And let them see that and notice how they will say that they're all red. And they do that. I mean, I think that would happen. Um, they would probably go, oh, it looks white, but no, it can't be white. Oh, okay, they're all red. And then tell them what you've done and point out the bias that researchers yeah. have. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that would be an excellent, excellent thing to do, but I, AP biology is so jam-packed. You, yeah. have, you just have to move, move, move. So I never took the time to do it. What happened to all those fruit flies when we were done with them? Um, the sink. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> like, Boy, did you just let him loose? And, yeah. yeah, you just let him loose in Mr. Juan Settler's class. No, we, we put the bottles in the autoclave and sterilized them and yeah. cleaned them out. <laughs> Looking back Sorry. now, what was your favorite part of education or in teaching? If you were to say, you know, after spending a career doing that, what was your favorite part? It was a favorite part to learn as many things as I did, which that's one of the reasons I'm glad that I did end up with the AP bio. Um, but the really favorite part was just 
the students. I cannot tell you how great students are. And I'm not just talking about students who end up in AP Bio. I had other classes, too, that weren't that type of student. I've had all types of students. And no matter what type they are, it may take you a while before they accept you or, you know, get to know you. But they are so cool, especially high school. They have such great sense of humor. I remember times when I'd be standing up there trying to teach something and somebody say something so funny, I'd lay my head down on the, on the demo <laughs> desk and just laugh. <laughs> You'd just accept it. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I miss that. That's the one thing I really, really miss. I don't miss having the tension of be ready, got to have a test ready, got to grade a paper. I miss those kids, though. And then the other question to follow that would be what was the toughest thing about being in education for your career? Having, having everything ready. And, and especially as a science teacher, you've got all these lab items. And if you're going to have a lab for your students, you've got to have everything ready to roll. You can't just kind of come in there and say, well, let me see, where's the hydrochloric acid And so there was a lot of pressure, and I could never come to school in the morning not having everything ready for the whole day. I could never come and count on, I'll do it during my prep. If I had a first period prep, I just used that for hanging around because I could never wait till then to do stuff. Now, one thing that I think is interesting, too, and I think we talked about this um, before the the show kicked off is that you're also married to a teacher. And I remember you had a really unique and fun friendship with a teacher as well, Mr. Juan Settler. Um, Your classrooms were next to each other at Jones and then they were right next to each other at the high school. Um, What is that like having um, your husband be a teacher and his experiences blending with yours, being in the same school system? And like you said, I, you had a prep period, first period. I was in first period AP Bio 1 in Mr. Juan Settler's class. I can remember you coming in and razzing him while he's trying to teach. And <laughs> it just seemed like a unique, um, almost like family neighborhood type thing that happened. You know, the science department when I was teaching there, it was like that. And I just thought that was the greatest thing. I mean, any science teacher could be popping in my room at any minute. And maybe they just stick their head and say something crazy. And <laughs> I don't know that that kind of thing could be happening nowadays mm-hmm. I, I, because there's a lot more tension, a lot more, you know, but it's the most wonderful thing because, and you're proving it by talking about it, the kids have fun with that. Mm-hmm. And I, everybody needs just a little moment to, you know, let the tension go. So, yeah, it, the, and every person in that department would have done anything for anyone. It was really nice. Um, uh, another, like, memory that I have, too, um, I had a class with Mr. Andrews, who was right yeah. next. To, he wasn't right next to you because there was, like, the stairway or whatever, but he was next. And I remember there was one time he could not remember a word. And I remember he goes, Iris, go over there and ask Chapman what this word is. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and the word was palindrome, by the way. He could not remember. He was like, what's a word that's the same spelled forward and backward? I know, just the random little <laughs> memories. But he sent me over to ask you. He's like, she'll she'll know. Go ask her. He could not remember oh, it. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Mrs. Chapman, so what, what are the things that people in our community, whether they're parents, grandparents, or even students today, best be doing to support our educators and our teachers what are the things that you wish or maybe not wish but that you'd say and this would be great for us to do for our teachers as a community okay um well a most important thing is if you can't and then you can't always do this because sometimes the student doesn't want to be forthcoming but if you can know what what your student is learning just know what they're learning. Mm-hmm. Maybe ask them a question about it or ask them how the day's going. If you can dialogue with your student, um, again, some of them clam up that I'm not telling you nothing. 
Yeah. Um, like, oh, we'll do that when my son comes home and he's going to be in the fifth grade. So, and I'll be like, buddy, what'd you do today? Or what, what are you talking about in math? And he was like, eh, we're doing this. And then like, he's like, he's ready, he's yeah. ready to be done. He's like, but we did this at recess. And I'm like, okay, well let's go there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hear what you say. Like they might just clam up and not tell you, but trying. Yeah. Right. And if there are things like open house or any kind of yeah. events like that, show up. I mean, you don't have to feel like I've got to go in there and act like I know everything that my my student is doing. You can just walk around even just being there and having your child know that my mom and dad came. My mom and dad showed up. I think that's important. I was always scared to death on those nights. <laughs> like I would sit at home while my mom and dad went to the open house, oh, hoping that my teachers you didn't, didn't get to go. No, you had to stay home. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. It was just parents, and I was scared to death that they were going to tell on me, like that he was <laughs> goofing around in class and stuff. So. Were you goofing around in class? Oh, I'm sure <laughs> okay. I was. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about I've, it. I've never had that kind of an open house. The kids have come with their parents. Yeah, at all of them. Yeah. Uh huh. Where We Landed is supported today by Moving Real Estate, a full-service real estate firm serving Grant County. With a combined total of over 90 years' experience, our agents strive to handle each client with professionalism while navigating the ever-changing real estate market. Our focus is to provide exceptional service and build a long-term relationship with our clients as they embark upon their dream home journey. There's no better feeling for us than helping people reach their home ownership goals. If you're ready to make a move, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website at movingrealestate.net or give us a call at 765-674-MOVE, M-O-V-E. That's 765-674-M-O-V-E. So I feel like um, teaching and you've spent your, did you spend your entire career teaching at Marion in the Marion school systems? Was there a time where you taught somewhere else? I, I didn't teach in any other school systems, but um, I did when I very first came to Marion, um, I didn't go to Ball State right away. Um, and I worked for Gerald Guy, an architect here in town. And I, that was a lovely office, lovely people, but I didn't have enough to do uh, and I was thinking, now this can't be my life. Mm -hmm. So I had that little time. It was it was less than a year. Okay. Um, and then I, the rest of it's been right here in Marion. So as a teacher in Marion and having your career in that space for most of it, what did you do to recharge? What are the things that Mrs. Chapman? Do you, did you read? Did you go outside, walk, bike? What does that look like? Your favorite things that you did to recharge and get back to yourself? Well, one of the things that I did is I would take my clothes, some change of clothes to school. And on the way home, I would go over to the walkway and run. Now, quotes around run. <laughs> uh, run. I'd run usually three miles. Um I couldn't do that now to save my life. But uh, anyway, that was a really good thing. I wasn't really doing it for the purpose of recharging, but it was recharging me. Um, I, I ride bike, um, not fast, just leisurely, but that's really good. Um, I started uh, scuba diving, and that is the greatest thing because there's no phones. Nobody talks. You just see the fish, very peaceful. You're, you're weightless. Um, so I got a lot of recharging doing that. What's the neatest place you've scuba dived? Um, in open water, which means there's nothing over your head. And if you want to come to the surface, you just go up. For open water, um, I haven't been a whole lot of places, but I really like the dives I've done in the Bahamas. I've been on a couple of liveaboards in there where you it's sort of like a cruise, only everybody's a diver, and you're there for a week, and you do like three dives a day. They drive the boat around different places. It's very beautiful and colorful um, and peaceful. Um, I also cave dive. That's where you have an overhead environment, and you actually go into a cave that's underwater. Um, and of those, those are... The, the best ones of those are in Florida, northern hmm. Florida. 
And there's one there that I particularly like called Madison Blue Springs. Um, people that aren't divers go there and swim, and divers go there and go in the cave. It was very beautiful in there. And there's fish, I would assume, inside the caves? Or nope, no? Nope. Uh, you may see some as you get near the opening, but they there's it's dark. It's pitch dark. There's no food for them in there. Um, once in a while, one gets in there and I think gets lost, and you might on rare occasions see one way back in the cave, and you know he probably doesn't know how to get out of here. Um, maybe he does. I don't know. Um, but no, that's not about seeing fish. Open water, uh, reef diving, ocean diving is about the fish. Cave diving is about, in, in North Florida, it's not like stalactites and stalagmites. That Those caves are not that type. They are carved from flow of water over the centuries, just groundwater, drinking water. Um, these would be in Indiana too, except Indiana's got such a tall, deep layer of rock, um, you're, and you're not going to get down to a cave. But by the time you reach Florida, the rock thickness is thinned out, and the rock will break and form sinkholes, and that's an access into the groundwater. Oh, fascinating. Hmm. Always learning something. That's dangerous, though, We're right? Something. It would be extremely dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you, there's there's a massive amount of training, uh, much more than just open water. And there are rules, and they've been honed over the years that people have been, I'll say, experimenting. I wasn't that person, but <laughs> um, no, I'm not a risk taker at all. And when I first learned about diving, and I knew there were caves, I thought, oh, I would just love to see that. I so would love to see that, but there's no way I'm going to do it because it's too dangerous. Mm. And little by little, I took class, 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 and got to the point. So when you do it, you have two of everything, three of some things. So if something screws up, you have backup. backup. You mm -hmm. also have a buddy. They have two of everything, three of some things. So following rules correctly there won't be a problem. The people who die in those places are people who either broke the rules or weren't trained. Interesting. They didn't have the preparation, maybe. Right. right. Maybe. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. what, what caused your passion to even try? Like, I mean, I don't think of Indiana as being like a scuba scene. <laughs> <laughs> So, I didn't uh, either. I was almost 50 years old when I started this yeah. because I didn't know this. I have always been fascinated with the idea of space and being weightless. And I had read that being in scuba diving is, the same, is about as close to being what it would feel like to be weightless in hmm. space. And I thought, oh, that would be so cool. Um, but I had no thought that it was around Indiana. But Mr. Juan Seller, who you mentioned, <laughs> and another teacher at Jones, Mr. Cocking, I don't know. Mm -hmm. if he, um, the two of them were talking after school about they were going to take a scuba class. And I said, um, why are you doing that? And they said, oh, there's a quarry over in Logansport where you can dive. And yeah, we're going to go take this class. And so I got a friend. I didn't go to their class, but I went to a class that happened you know, the next time after that, I said, I'm in. Um, that's how I, but like you, I didn't know you could do that around here. Yeah. So have you scuba with them? Some. Yeah? Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Mr. Juan Settler taught me how to catch bats. So <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> there was always a bat in the orchestra room in building six at Marion High School. And I would run up to Mr. Juan Settler's room He'd come down and teach me how to catch it, and then he would take it home and release it at home. Uh -huh. And that's why you're so good. That's at, why I'm the bat catcher. Yep. At United Way, at the United Way, you were. Uh -huh. I didn't <laughs> oh know that. Yep. I know there were nets. He probably gave you a net. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> one one time we used a baseball hat because <laughs> we couldn't find the net for some reason. But <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he always took them home and let them go. A good skill. Um, Mrs. Chapman, uh, if you could have taught a different subject, what would you have taught? So outside of biology. Hmm. It would be some kind of science. I, I can't. No, it would be science. Yeah. So that's just your passion. <laughs> it's my passion. I like teaching it because it's, I think you can make it exciting. 
how do you make English exciting? And that's what my husband teaches. He thinks it's really fun to read fiction books that are not even true. And he's like, what's wrong with you that you don't want to read books? Of, These are good books. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't have time to read stuff that's not true. Yeah. I, I love, love that. that. I love that so much. That's so good. The other thing I was going to ask you, so living here in Marion for a while now, and Grant County, what are the things that you love to do here in the county? Is there anything in particular that you just be like, man, if I get a free moment, this is what I want to do? Well, we have two really great things here. One is the River Walkway, and the other is the Greenway. Um, I've gotten to the place now where my knees are not really let, cooperating with me to go that much on the walkway. So I don't get there that much, but it's really, if you can walk or run, it's so beautiful. Um, the season's changing as you go on it. Uh, the greenway, my goodness, that I don't even, I should count up how many miles that goes now that they've extended it in both directions, but that's a great place to ride a bicycle. And I'm not talking about some, you know, skinny tire racing bike. I'm talking about like a off-road bike. bike. Yeah, yeah. Just go there and just ride. It's so nice. Do you, did you do that? So have you spent time, like, have you gone from one end of the Greenway to the other? Uh, as the Greenway exists now, I have not done all of it in one trip. Yeah. But I've done all of it. In pieces. Uh huh. And when it wasn't quite as long, I've done all of it. So, um, so we've talked a little bit about um, kind of the reason why you came here. We've talked a little bit about, you know, teaching and your passion for that. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, did you guys ever have the opportunity or was there ever um, a chance that came that potentially you guys could leave or go somewhere else? And, and what was that like in that decision process? Um, we actually never contemplated it. Ah. There was one time, um, and I'm trying to think, I believe we were retired when this happened, mm -hmm. that we went on a trip. Uh, some other teachers were on the same trip, and we went out to Sedona and um, that area. Mm -hmm. And we were driving in from the airport, and I looked at the, I mean, that is the most beautiful place. And my brain said, they needed teachers here. I know they did. Why were we in Grant County all this time? That's because we needed you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's one time that I remember thinking that. But no, we never, we never even thought about it. Yeah. We really liked what we... Marion was a wonderful place to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful place to be a student, particularly in the earlier years that we were doing it. Um, I ran into a girl at the nail salon of all places in Florida. <laughs> we're just there getting our nails done and we're chatting. And she says, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. She says, oh, Marion. Oh, I used to live there. And she, it turns out she was actually a student in my class in seventh grade, the first year justice was built. And she started talking to me about how much she loved being a student in Marion all the things she got to do. And she said, I don't know why my kids are never, their teachers don't do anything like what you guys all did. Yeah. So that's that camaraderie thing that we were mentioning. You need that. That's the most important thing you can do is have teachers love to be around each other and spin off of each other and have get some fun stuff going. So um, you did get married, raised children here. So what was that like? What did your children do? What did they go through, Marion? Um, what is all that? They, they did. Um, well, one thing, um, when my youngest daughter was in seventh grade, she ended up in my class because I was teaching the, I think it was called Excel, Excel uh, Science. Mm -hmm. And she was in that class, and there's only one section of it. And I thought, oh, dear. But honestly, I never thought of her as my daughter. But one day, uh, the kids were doing a lab. And you know, when a lab's going on, everybody needs a teacher all at once. They're all raising their hand. They're all, <laughs> Mrs. Chapman, Mrs. Chapman. And all of a sudden, I hear mom. And I whirled around, just boom, like that. It was not my daughter. 
it was not her group. It was someone else that thought to themselves, if I say mom, maybe <laughs> she'll come. <laughs> and it did switch that flip, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then when I went to the high school, um, she was at the high school then. My other daughter that's older had already graduated from the high school by the time I got there to teach. Um, and I had a year where I had to teach a health class. It was that year. <laughs> One health class and the rest was... And I looked at my class list, and there is Beth Chapman on the class list. And I'm like, there's like 15 sections of health in this school. You're not going to be in my class. She says, oh, no, Mom, I want to be in your class. I said, Beth, there's so many other sections. It's not a good idea. The kids will feel like you get a special break. She said, Mom, I cannot pass up a chance to watch my mom teach sex education to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and she stayed in that class. And, you know, it really was great because she could tell me, you know, if if I was going too far off, she could, Mom, you better. <laughs> Dial it back. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. So um, that that uh, exact same situation just played out this last year at our in our home. My daughter was in my husband's uh, eighth grade health class. Uh, <laughs> so she, I mean, he, same thing. He was like, he just tried to put the blinders on and treat her just the same as any of the other kids. And yeah, and, and she was fine. Like, I don't think she was too embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't picture you being a health teacher. Yeah. Yeah, that one feels uh, you know that that's a that's a really great thing to teach though because there's so much in there and the kids immediately know we're learning something important here that yeah. you know we could do something with directly affects me right yeah this is a science question and um, maybe a little bit off the wall we had a dinner party at our house this last weekend and so we were asking some weird questions but this one was what is something silly that you used to believe? And so, you know, with science, you know, you've got all these beliefs that probably in place, but is there anything like that you'd say, this is a silly thing that I used to believe in. It's totally changed at this point in my life. Oh, well, what it was, can be anything. What was your answer, Scott? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask knew it. That. You knew it. But I'm, I figured I'm buying I'd, you I, time, Mrs. Chapman. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, so I grew up in athletics and sometimes we were always told, Hey, the harder you work, the better you'll be, which there is some truth to that. But I think I've gotten to the point now where it's more the smarter you work. Uh, you have to work hard, but work smart and athletics to be really good. So that was my change of, that was a silly belief that I might've had before. Hey, you can just go out and work out for five hours and you're going to be better than somebody else. So it's how smart you work. Yeah. I don't know whether this is a silly belief, but I remember when I was finishing up at Ball State, my physics professor saying, we are within 10 years. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the 60s here. We are within 10 years of being able to do nuclear fusion like the sun. And when we do that, we will have all the energy we need for the entire planet. There won't be any waste. It'll blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's within 10 years. And... It's not yeah. here now. Uh -uh. It's not here now. And it's not that nobody's working on it. It's just that complex. But it, it when we get that solved, that's going to be big. That's a good one. I don't, I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. I don't know. I feel like I have to think about that. Yeah, I was going to come back around to Yeah, I don't know. There was some wine involved. And so that made the, the, <laughs> made the thinking made the thinking process a little bit easier. <laughs> Nobody mm -hmm. had uh, blinders on. So it was, mm. that was a good one. So good yeah, question yeah. to go around. Um, so both kids came out of Marion. What'd your kids do after high school? Um, my oldest daughter, um, ran off and got married. <laughs> she was all set up to go to ball state, but she decided that marriage was more important. And she had a little boy who now has his own little boy, um, she ended up, uh, working in healthcare. Um, she, at this point in time has a lady that she, um, stays with. Um, she's not the only one that they're like take turns going in there, but mm -hmm. it's a really 
my daughter is the kind of person that if you were sick and you looked at her face, you would be so happy. I mean, she just, it's perfectly suited for her. Mm -hmm. Um, My other daughter did go to Ball State, um, but she left there and got a job in Indianapolis, um, a really good job working on websites for a company called Aspen that's now Lockheed Martin, um, until she um, met her future husband who was going to Hawaii. So she got to go to Hawaii. <laughs> she, they went, she, they weren't married yet. I mean, they were serious, but he said, I, he was, I should say he's, he works in satellite communications for, he, he's not in the army, but he is working for the government in satellite communication. And they were starting a new program there. And he thought it'd be good if he got in on the ground floor and it's Hawaii and we're young. Yeah. So hard to say no to Hawaii. She sold all her stuff and off they went. Um, and they got married there. They have two children. And she unfortunately passed away about four and a half years ago. She had esophageal cancer. It was advanced when they found it. And um, she fought it hard. But the her husband's just done fabulous with the kids. And they're growing up. My granddaughter's taller than me starting high school this year. <laughs> well, I bet she's so proud of that too. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm taller than you. <laughs> what, what are the range of your grandkids age-wise? What's oldest to youngest? Okay. Um, my oldest grandson, gosh, I think he's 29. He has a son who's five. Then, and that's all on, on that family. And then my other daughter, her oldest daughter is going to be 15 in November, and my grandson is going to be 13, I think. No, 12, 12. 12. So 29 to 12 is the range, yeah. and then you've got a five-year-old. Five. She's a great. great. You're great. It does not you? feel possible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't realize they could make great-grandparents that young. So that's incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. You want to see my driver's license? <laughs> I'll tell you how you know you're in trouble. When you look at your driver's license picture and it starts looking good. <laughs> you know, it's time to get a new license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Did, did you, so many teachers when I was growing up did extracurricular things. And when I say extracurricular, like somebody might have been the band teacher in addition to teaching music during the day or they were a coach or ran the key club or drama, you know, was there anything that you did extracurricular with the students, any clubs or anything that, that you did after school? Well, I wasn't the brains of this outfit, but there was a science club at Marion High School. It was called Novus. Um, it started long before I got there and it was great. Uh, we, anybody could come be in it that wanted to, and we do stuff like um, once a year we'd go down on a camping trip. We, th- this club actually owned tents and camping equipment. We'd go down to Harrison Crawford in southern Indiana, and then we'd go hiking in the woods there. There were some wild caves there that we'd go exploring. Um, that was really great fun. Um, let's see, what else did Novus do? Oh, um, in the we got a marine biology class and it's kind of an offshoot of Novus that we decided to take if whoever wanted to during the week of spring break down to the Florida Keys. And we camped down there and did snorkeling. Um, it was kind of aimed at the marine bio class, but people could go from Novus to, if they wanted to, uh, Mr. Sweeten, Jerry Sweeten, who was the Asherwood director. He went on that, uh, Mr. Juan Settler, Mr. Andrew, Mr. Andrew was kind of the brains of all this stuff. He's very, we miss him a lot. Yes. I, I, um, I definitely enjoyed his class and, yeah. and him mm-hmm. yeah. a lot. So you also said um, you did give us um, a nice little peak reminder. And I had forgotten about this, but um, you do play the ukulele. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> Again, quotes. <laughs> um I actually started playing the guitar when I was in college, mm-hmm. and I played it all along, and not professionally or anything, but just folk singer. That was me, long hair folk singer. Um, and then as I got 
into like the high school teaching and stuff. I didn't have as much time, so I kind of let it go a little bit. But then I brought it to school right before Christmas break and thought, I'll just, you know, entertain the kids to stay with a couple of Christmas carols. Well, that went over pretty good. <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, my teacher's singing to me. Uh, so I started doing that, but but I didn't play much more. And then I tried to get back to it and I put my hand around the neck of that thing. It's a classical guitar, big wide neck. I got a sore wrist just trying to do it because I'm old and out of shape. So the ukulele, uh, we go to Okeechobee, Florida in the wintertime and they had a ukulele group down there. And it's easy. Anyone can play the ukulele. Um, and it's like playing the guitar only you got two less strings. You don't have to reach your arm mm -hmm. clear around there. So that's how I got started doing that. And now I have a baritone uke, which really is a guitar only. It's just the highest four strings. Um, down there we have a guy who plays a box. Yeah. He's a drummer. He actually is a drummer, but he plays a box. And then we have a guy that plays a bass ukulele and it sounds like a real bass. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a bass. And then we've got the other ukuleles and we do seventies rock stuff. <laughs> so I, you guys, I need a recording I of know. this. Well, I was going to say, do you like tour throughout Florida whenever so you guys are down no, there? We just play, we just play around the, <laughs> around. are there videos on your Facebook page? No. <laughs> there needs to be some there's some cave diving videos i know there. i've seen those yeah those are <laughs> with cool. pretty fish and uh -huh. some caves and i want to hear the ukuleles yeah. you yeah. know the coolest thing uh, i found out that the great the ukulele orchestra of great britain you probably never heard of them nope google that the okay. ukulele orchestra of great britain that's what they do there's like about eight eight or 10 people. They have, they're all ukuleles. That's all they are. They appeared in Carmel at the Palladium and I got to go. It was just like a month or two ago. Um, they played highway to hell. <laughs> nah, uh. And it is, you would not know that you're not listening to the real thing. Oh my it's gosh. Yeah, they've got a lot of stuff on YouTube. Okay, you I'm looking them, them out. I'm, I'm looking them up. I'm going to check them out, but I'm still going to pressure you to put your own on there. I want to see some Facebook posts. <laughs> Mrs. Chapman, thanks for being here today. And before we wrap, um, so I was talking to the rest of the hosts beforehand, and they said that you are one of the smartest people that they know, not just teachers, but they said- Oh my goodness. That just your breadth of knowledge is- is incredible. And so I'm curious if there's anything that you're listening to right now, watching, reading that the, the people who listen to our podcast might find interesting or maybe not even find interesting, but that you find interesting that, that uh, you're learning right now. Well, one thing um, that I think people would be interested in if they're not, if they don't already know about it, um, Heather Cox Richardson writes a she calls it Letters from an American, and she is a history professor, uh, American history. She's an expert on the Civil War. She's just really smart about all these things, and she writes each day. She writes the news events. Mostly, it's national, not local yeah. stuff. National news events that happened that day. She gives a historical context for it. It's just as interesting as can be. I start my day with that every day. Yeah, she and she posts. She'll post them on her social media too. And I mean, they. I mean, that's extensive, right? Like it can be a lot, but it's also still kind of like bite-sized pieces that yes. I think. Yes. You can tell that it's well researched and well thought out, but also easily digested. How about it, that? That's very true. Yeah. And that's why I like it. And yeah. it's called Letters from an American. Letters from an American. Heather, Co if you just Google Heather Cox Richardson, Richardson. Mm -hmm. you'll find it. Yeah. yeah. And it's a free. It's free. It comes to your email if you subscribe. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would mention, I just ran into it kind of by accident, but there's a show on National Geographic. It's already. It's been a mini series but it's still on demand, I think, uh, called A Small Light. And it is, um, I think it's about eight hours altogether. It's in two hour things. It's the story of the woman who uh, hid Otto Frank and Anne Frank and their family. Oh, okay. And it's, it's not done as a documentary. It's done as a movie. And it's not, you know, it's like, I don't want, it's not fiction, but it's, 
it's that story as they know from Anne Frank's diary, but it's that story put into a movie form. It's wonderful. I love that. I mean, I, I think we learned so much from the diary, right? Like that's really the only viewpoint that, mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'm gonna put that on my list. So, well, I, I've done this with every teacher that we've had on so far, but I just want to make sure I take a moment and just express gratitude to you um, as an educator, um, especially now the climate that we have right now. Um, and while maybe you can, you're in touch with it and you understand it and can probably relate to, you know, what some teachers are going through right now, but just knowing and understanding the impact that you have on kids in that moment and for the rest of their life. And so I just want to make sure that I tell you that, you know, I'm very appreciative of it. You touched my life in a very, very important way. And I remember things um, that are super random, <laughs> but I just want to tell you, thank you very much. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I want to tell you mm-hmm. that seeing you people grow up and become leaders in this community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so great to see that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all you do. Yeah. Thanks, Mrs. Thank Chapman, you. for the impact you've had on lives. Yeah. And thanks for being on Where We Landed today. It's been great to have you. It's been fun. Yeah. Good. Where's the cheesecake? <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, wait a minute. We, we're missing something here. <laughs> so for those of you uh, who listen uh, faithfully to our podcast, continue to tell others about it and like us where uh, you listen to our podcast on Where We Landed. Have a great day. Thanks again, Mrs. Chapman. Thank you. Thanks. thanks. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas.